grave sucking, gold dust, kundalini spirits. Are these things normal, the charismatic movement? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Are you ready to separate myth from fact? Are you ready to get to the truth? Are you ready to get past sensationalistic claims and investigate what the Spirit is or is not doing and what is and is not in harmony with Scripture and where I do and do not stand? Let's do it. This is Michael Brown. Welcome to the broadcast, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. Now listen, once again, I want to do this in a heartfelt way, not in a confrontational way, not in a debating spirit, but in a heartfelt way for the good of the body, for the unity of true believers, for the honor and integrity of the name of Jesus. If you are one of those who thinks that I have somehow compromised my beliefs, my ethics, or I become a false teacher, or I associate with false teachers, or I'm lying about so-called NAR, New Apostolic Reformation, or whatever. You've heard these things from critics of the charismatic movement or my critics, or you're one of them. Please call with your questions. Uh, Honestly, I I mean that. I want to set the record straight. If I believe something, I'll tell you plainly. If I hold to something, I'll I'll tell you plainly, without apology and without shame. And if I don't, I'll tell you plainly. And if I think you're misinformed, I'll tell you plainly. 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. I truly believe that God is doing a lot of shaking in the church today. The larger evangelical church, the charismatic church, there's shaking taking place in Southern Baptist circles. There's shaking taking place in charismatic circles. There's shaking taking place, obviously, in Catholic circles, although I put that in in a different category. There's definitely shaking that is taking place. And a lot of junk is coming to the surface. Things are being revealed. Others are rumors and myths circulating that we have to distinguish between fact and fantasy. But it's so important that we have understanding because Jesus wants us, those of us who are truly born again and submitted to the Lordship of Jesus, he wants us to be united in purpose and spirit. So here's the number to call, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. Here's what prompted me to get into all of this. Last week, we addressed issues with Benny Hinn's confession, renouncing extremes and prosperity teaching and manipulative fundraising efforts. I weighed in with my views on that and concerns I've had on these things for decades and concerns I expressed directly to Benny Hinn via letter back in 2015. Uh, Right after that and and during this whole time, I was at the Light the Fire Again conference in Pensacola with a number of well-known revival leaders, some of whom are highly criticized as being false teachers or false apostles, etc. So I was with them at a powerful conference in Pensacola. And then this past weekend, I was at a church I've known for many years. Our daughters, when they were little, went to the Christian school there, Smithtown Gospel Tabernacle, probably the largest charismatic church on Long Island, a fine congregation with a fine history, great integrity. 
And a couple people had questions for me. One Sunday morning after the first service and another Sunday afternoon during a Q&A time. And what about this? What about gold dust? What about Kundalini spirits? And what about your endorsing of false teachers and, and your endorsing of NAR? And I, I, some of us like, what are you even talking about? In the afternoon, that was my response. What are you even talking What do I have to do with any of these things? And the other trying to uh, speak to a very sincere young man and, and say, listen, God does move powerfully. And things do happen that can be unusual, but nothing outside of scriptural guidelines, which you have to look at as the message that's being preached and the long-term fruit in people's lives. But I know there's so much that's out there, so many myths, so many inaccuracies. So let me make this as plain as I can. Where I hold to a certain doctrine scripturally, or I believe in a certain practice, without shame, without fear, I will tell you, and gladly will debate anyone that's qualified on the other side on those issues, gladly, in a heartbeat, where I'm being falsely accused or where there are, there are misconceptions, I'll tell you that plainly. Fair enough? 866-348-7884. Before I get into some of those specifics, uh, let me play a clip from Todd Friel on Richard Radio. And by the way, a few years ago, I said I'd gladly go on his show to discuss the issues. He could come on my show we could have a public debate about them. Uh, to date, I haven't received uh, a yes to any of those invitations from Todd. But anyone that knows him, send, it, send this his way. Once again, I'll come on your show if I, can, if I can get fair and equal time. You can come on my show. I'll guarantee you fair and equal time. Or we could do a public moderated discussion, debate about the gifts of the Spirit, about some of the claims that, that you make. So let me just play this clip and interact with it in terms of signs, wonders, miracles today. Those signs and wonders were done until we had ourselves the complete revelation. Now that we do, we don't have those things. Take a look at 2,000 years of church history. The only time you see any of these miracles, signs and wonders within the last 2,000 years since the time of the apostles were from fringe wing-ding groups. Signs and wonders. This might be very helpful for you to feel. What's the difference between signs and wonders and charismatic gifts? Signs and wonders... A few people, Elijah, Elisha in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, prophets, disciples, Jesus, Paul, very few people. Signs and wonders, the big kaboom miracles. These, these would be the parting of the Red Sea. This would be raising people from the dead, casting out demons. Those are signs and wonders to do what? Authenticate the message of the messenger. Now that we've got the Bible, don't need those things. All right, so number one, historically, that's inaccurate. There have been miracles and signs and wonders through church history of, of different kinds. And just in terms of supernatural acts of God, Augustine, who did not believe in the gifts of the Spirit healing miracles for his day after documenting more than 70 miracles in a two-year period, changed his views about it. This is well known, not disputed. Anyone that knows uh, Augustine's writings is, is aware of this. That's one thing. Uh, a second thing is that when you go with the Bible to people who have never heard of the God of the Bible, maybe they've grown up only with the Quran, knowing that that is the word of God, that's what they think, or there's some other religious tradition and they have their holy books, and you say, well, this Bible was, was verified by signs, wonders, and miracles 2,000 years ago, well, with all respect, they'll say, well, we have our holy book, and we have our verification, and we have our traditions. God is still backing the name of Jesus, and scripturally, that is the pattern. The gifts, healing, miracles, 
driving out demons. These things are to continue until Jesus returns. I will gladly debate that with anyone. What does Scripture say? And please show me anywhere where demons are not to be driven out today, that that was just a practice in the Gospels and a practice in Acts. Please show me a Scripture anywhere that says that demons should not be driven out today. And, and do the demons know that? In other words, have they just voluntarily said, okay, we will leave. We will not continue our nefarious activity. Of course not. And many people have come under demonic power and, and demonic oppression and even demonic possession. And in Jesus' name, the spirits have been driven out and those people have been made whole and made well and are loving Jesus and following Jesus and bearing much fruit today. And also the notion that signs and wonders is only something like the splitting of the Red Sea or Elijah calling down fire from heaven, that's really contrary to New Testament language. Sure, those types of things are not the norm, and they've never been the norm. And nowhere in the Bible does it say, hey, you can just expect to split seas all the time. And when Jesus talks about removing a mountain by faith, he's obviously speaking metaphorically, all right? We, We don't have an account of Jesus relocating a mountain in his day, let alone any of his followers ever doing it, all right? But that being said, New Testament language, in Hebrews 2 and other passages, when it talks about God confirming his word with signs and wonders, when you look at the confirmation, say in the book of Acts, many times it was miraculous healings, deliverances from demons, and other types of things, prophetic words. God continues to move because Jesus is alive today, all right? So we're not talking about gold dust, grave sucking, the alleged gnar. We're not talking about any of that. We're just talking about scripture precedent, that signs, wonders, and miracles, healings, deliverances, prophetic utterances continue until this day. We'll gladly debate that with anyone qualified in terms of what does the Bible say. Or we could look at confirmation in church history, and there are verified, documented raisings of the dead in the 21st century. Documented medically documented raisings from the dead where the only scientific explanation that makes sense is that God worked a miracle and it's for his glory and it's for the glorification of the name of Jesus and it's for the confirmation of what is in scripture. But uh, another fine Christian leader, Steve Lawson, he takes issue with the charismatic movement from an angle that, that we commonly hear and, and I want to share his concern. And Pastor Lawson, I'd love to have a dialogue privately, publicly on any of these issues. I think it would be fruitful. And I respect your, your love for the Word and your passion to see believers hold to the integrity of the Word. But listen to what Pastor Lawson says. I, I think the fundamental flaw of the charismatic movement is their depreciation of the Word of God itself, the written Word of God. Uh, They do this, first of all, by adding other revelation to the written Word of God, and for every supposed dream and vision that they add to uh, their message, they are watering down uh, their exclusive devotion to the written Word of God. Now, that's true of some, absolutely, absolutely true of some, that they go more on supposed revelation than by Scripture. They preach more based on supposed revelation than Scripture. Absolutely right. Absolutely concerned. I've addressed it. I address it in my Playing with Holy Fire book. I've addressed it in other settings. We teach against any such notion in our ministry school. I wholeheartedly agree that some do that. And I wholeheartedly disagree 
with another point he's making. Number one, surveys around the world that have looked at charismatics, non-charismatics, in terms of reading the scriptures and things like that, the non-charismatics have held to a higher standard of the authority of God's word and read God's word more regularly than non-charismatic believers. Surveys indicated that. I detail it in Authentic Fire. That's one thing. The second thing is, I'm a charismatic because of scripture. Peter plainly says that dreams and visions are for the last days, which is from Jesus dying on the cross until his return. He says that in Acts 2. And, and I believe in healing and miracles and prophecy today because the word of God says it. Do those things add to the Bible? No, God forbid the Bible, God's word stands apart, period. End of subject. Nothing's added to it. Nothing's taken away. Just like the Lord can lead you to take a particular job or speak to you about a particular thing we need to minister to someone, he continues to speak and act today because I believe the Bible. I am charismatic Pentecost. We'll be right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. All right, so here's the number, 866-34-TRUTH. Now, you might say, well, I'm posting questions on Facebook. I'm posting questions on YouTube. Yeah, often those go flying past, and I'm not able to address them during a broadcast. However, about an hour from now, starting around 4.15 Eastern Standard Time, so just under an hour from now, I'm going to be doing an exclusive YouTube chat. So on the same Ask Dr. Brown YouTube station or channel where some of you are watching now, you can post questions and I'll do my best to answer. Some of you are unable to call because of work situation or where you are in other parts of the world. But I want to invite those with questions to please call This way I can respond better. But I I just noticed one question. Can I post links to resurrections today, legitimate resurrections? I've done it before. It's pretty easy to search for Uh, people raised from the dead. And then you search and you can see which links are are legitimate or, or not. But I'd encourage you to check out Randy Clark's book, Eyewitness to Miracles. Eyewitness to Miracles. Randy Clark wrote his, his doctoral dissertation on people who were prayed for who had metal implants. So, so you have surgery on your arm and they have to put a metal rod in your arm because of the break or something like that. That what happened when they were prayed for? Because you could actually see, is the metal still there? Did the metal disappear? Were things healed around it? So that to him was a very tangible way of testing things. He then, in his book gives uh, links to articles by medical doctors, by researchers and professors who actually did at-length investigations, went over to countries, say, where people were allegedly being healed of blindness or deafness. And they they got a, a number of people, X number of people with these conditions, and then they tested them. I'm talking about scientific tests of, of hearing and seeing. They tested them, then they were prayed for, then after prayer they tested them again and verified God's healing power scientifically. If you want to get into this much deeper with even more documentation, then the place you go is Craig Keener, Professor Craig Keener. He wrote two volumes on miracles. It's called Miracles. And it is discussing the reliability of the New Testament accounts. Can we trust the New Testament accounts in terms of miraculous healings and things like that? And then from there, from there, 
what he does is looks through church history and right up until today. And his guesstimate is that there are about 200 million people today who are eyewitnesses to miracles in Jesus' name. And around the world, in countries like India and China and, and, and Iran and other countries in Africa, around the world, in, in Latin America, masses of people are coming to faith in the Jesus of the Bible in response to God's power, healing, setting captives free, and with that, the Word of God coming with convicting power, and their eyes are open in ways that are similar to things that have happened in the book of Acts and happened at other times in church history. 866-34-TRUTH. I just want to be candid on the level of integrity, all right? That I have no problem with people differing with me based on study of Scripture. I have no problem with, with people who call in and say, Dr. Brown, I think you're wrong on this or that. Or he'll write us an email and say, hey, I'm concerned about these issues and I'd love for you to address them. What concerns me is people who will blast our position and make no effort ever to, to reach out. And by the way, I'm not concerned for me. I'm concerned for them and those who follow them. I'm blessed. I'm thriving in God. We, we are more than busy with testimonies left and right of, of the Lord touching lives through us. And to me, it's all him. It's all his glory. It's, it's all his praise. And I'm humbled to even have anything to do with it. But I'm concerned about a larger lack of integrity that folks will say, have you seen this thing attacking? It's like, well, it's not even accurate. It's filled with misinformation, but the person have reached out to me. And then in many cases, we reach out to them, we get no response or we get blasted. So that's what concerns me. Lack of integrity. So that's why I constantly, whoa, what is that? All right, something is wrong here in my mic. Is everything sound all right to everybody else? Because I'll just take my, all right. Don't know what that was. Don't know what that was. But in any case, I am constantly asking for dialogue, uh, discussion. And it is, to me, not just ironic but hypocritical for a so-called discernment ministry to be so passionate for the truth of the gospel while spreading misinformation, being guilty of judgmentalism, using unequal weights and balances, and never even reaching out to verify or interact that, to me, is, is grossly hypocritical. And I'm, I'm not mad at the people. It doesn't hurt me again, but I feel bad for them and for those that follow them. And then I'm grieved because it brings division and, and misunderstanding to God's people, many of whom could be positively touched by the Spirit in many ways, but they get afraid. So what about the whole gold dust thing? Mike Brown, why are you defending gold dust? Well, I, I don't defend gold dust. I, I I don't make comments about gold dust other than answering a question here or there. And, and I have no relation to Bethel Church in any formal way. Every so often, Bill Johnson or Chris Fowler and I will interact privately. I mean, every so often, once in several years, all right? A, a, a substantial interaction, like a lengthy going back and forth, once in five years, maybe. Uh, what happens in Bethel doesn't happen. I'm no expert on I preach there one time, and that's that. And if people have a question about Bethel, I, I send them to Bethel. Well, why do you defend gold? Well, here, I, <laughs> I've written a lot of books, done a lot of radio shows, had a lot of articles out, right? ton of material out there. Where do I talk about gold dust? Where is that an issue in our ministry? Where, I preached all around the world. Find me one message ever, anywhere around the world, where I talk about gold dust. And that's, that's the, the focus of my message or a major topic of my message. 
I mean, thousands of hours of teaching, preaching, Bible school classes. Show me where. I don't. It's not an issue to me. But if someone says, well, it's got to be of the devil. How do you know it's of the devil? Uh, First, it may just be a myth. Never happened. Second, it, it could be some cheap fraud. Third, I don't know, maybe some demonic thing. <clears throat> or fourth, could be a divine manifestation. But why not? Where does the Bible say it won't happen? So here, what, what do you make of this? I get contacted by a ministry, not known as a charismatic ministry, very conservative. They do outreach to millennials, you could say. It's probably their biggest target audience. And the leader of the ministry said, uh, uh, we don't know what to make of this. But as we've been having meetings and worshiping together, gold dust has been appearing. We don't know what to make of it. Should we share it with our constituents, talk about it publicly? I said, don't say a word publicly because it's going to be misunderstood. All right. And it's not going to help you to talk about it. I said, but here, just keep seeking the Lord. Don't focus on it. Keep seeking the Lord. And don't, don't focus on these things. Focus on Jesus. Focus on Scripture like you do. Focus on winning the lost, making disciples. And if these things happen, if you have these unusual manifestations, and with them, the presence of God is there to touch people or heal people or change lives, praise God. Always don't make an issue out of it. That was my counsel. Do you have a problem with that? Is that wrong? Is there something heretical in, in, that, in, in, in that position? Uh, please tell me, well, how is it that I get known as defender of gold dust when it's the last thing on my mind? Well, it's never once happened anywhere where I've, I've ministered personally, okay? Never happened through me in a meeting. And it's, it's a total, non, it's a 100% non-issue to me. Will you defend the glory cloud? <clears throat> Written a lot of books again. Why are you boasting about your book? I'm not boasting about books. I'm saying, you want to know what I believe? Read the books. We've got, listen, I'm not one of these guys that has only like three teachings available. We have thousands of hours you can listen to, watch online, thousands of, of hours of articles and other things you can read, and then all the books and all the sermons. Here's what I will say. There's nothing in the New Testament that says that God's glory will not appear in a way that's tangible and visible. You say, well, his glory is expressed through Jesus. Yes, Jesus is the glory of God. Jesus walking on the earth is the glory of God walking on the earth. And in him we glory, and my focus is on him. But is it impossible? Is it impossible? I believe I I witnessed this myself in, in a very distinctly while teaching Koreans training for ministry in 1982, okay, I believe I witnessed it myself where the room was filled with what looked like steam or mist or cloud as I was teaching. and I was the only one that saw it, but that semester the Holy Spirit visited and changed many, many lives. Once in 1982, that's it. This is something I talk about. Pre- oh, I want to see it happening. I don't think about Why would I think about it? My focus is on Jesus. My focus is on the Word of God. My focus is on reaching Jewish people. My focus is on seeing a, a gospel-based moral and cultural transformation. My, my focus is on taking the gospel to the nations. <laughs> But to say it couldn't happen, or what? I just show me, show me in Scripture where it says it could not happen. That's all. That's all. That's the only issue. The only issue. Show me in Scripture. But but here, if critics come to me with questions day and night, 
And then I try to answer the questions honestly. That doesn't mean that's my focus. It means I'm just trying to answer questions. We come back. I want to interact with your phone calls. I want to interact with a clip from Justin Peters and tell you about something I'll offer Justin Peters. I think would be a great, great constructive thing to do. And then a fellow named Joshua Chavez or Chavez, I've never heard of him until some links were sent to me. I haven't watched the links, but some clips were sent that I'm going to play for you. And I want to give an invitation to Joshua as well. If you know who he is, by all means, tell him to, to call in or to set up a time when he and I can talk for the sake of the truth and the sake of the word of God. I've got nothing to defend. Jesus is my Lord and I honor him and I want you to know him better and know his word better. But let's separate fact from fiction, shall we? 866-34-TRUTH. We'll be right back. Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the line of fire. And we are having a couple of little audio problems. Not sure if I'm kicking a wire, but I will keep my feet planted firmly on top of the chair off the ground, and we can check on it during a break. Welcome to the broadcast, 866-348-7884. Talking about charismatic manifestations, myths, facts, where I stand. Again, I'm very happy to defend what I believe. I'm very happy to give scripture for it. I'm very happy to, to give church history where relevant or contemporary practice where relevant and tied in with scripture. And where things are false, I'll just tell you they're false. 866-34-TRUTH. Now, if you want to post a question for me, you can't call in. About 45 minutes from now, 4.15 Eastern Standard Time, I'm going to start a YouTube chat on the Ask Dr. Brown YouTube channel, all right? And that way you can just post questions and I can interact there. Some of you are unable to call. All right, so that's going to start a little less than 45 minutes from now. But let me just throw out one other thing, okay? Then I want to play a clip from Justin Peters, then go to your calls. Someone asked me, why do you defend grave sucking? It's like, what on earth are you talking about? I'd never defend it, never think of defending it, never think of the thing itself. It's utterly irrelevant to me. I don't know anyone that's ever practiced it, but I have seen pictures of some folks who are part of Bethel doing this. You say, what does it mean? Well, grave sucking, grave soaking. It was people in their zeal to receive like a mantle or anointing from someone in a past generation maybe a famous preacher from a past generation or someone that's used in healing or miracles or something, going to their gravesite, laying on the grave and, and trying to suck the anointing from that. It's, it's ridiculous. It's unscriptural. It's, it's on a level consulting with the dead. It should be absolutely, completely condemned, wrong. It's one thing to go to a grave of, of a leader from a past generation and to pray by the grave for inspiration. Oh, God, they touched their generation. Use me to touch mine. God, I'm sobered when I think of their lives, and I know one day I'm going to be buried as well. Lord, may my life count. Go ahead, reflect. Cemeteries are a good place to, to reflect, to be sobered. Yes, I think we all agree with that. But it's ridiculous practice. So why do I def- I don't defend it. Never dawned on me to defend Oh, you had Bill Johnson. I had Bill Johnson on my show on the condition that I could ask him some of these questions that are commonly asked. And he said, absolutely. And then we asked critics to call in. Not one did. Zero did. 
I did a second show and said, please, all those who are critics, call in just so I can interact, even though I'm not a defender of Bethel or Spokesman. It was a third time before I got critics to call in. Okay? Took, a th- took three times. But be that as it may, I asked Bill about it plainly. He said, yes, some people that were involved with Bethel did it. It's unscriptural. It's wrong. We completely reject it. That's what he said. And then I'd seen a post, I don't know, a year or two earlier from the executive pastor, uh, Chris Vallotton. And Chris said when he heard about it, it's as ridiculous, unscriptural, and he posted on Facebook against it. So that's what they said. Well, you, they're lying. Well, then you take that up with them. That's not my business. I asked them on the air on the condition that he'd answer tough questions. He said he's very happy to. I asked the critics to call. They didn't. Well, why didn't we ask them more questions? I asked them the questions that I knew to ask that people had raised because my goal was to talk to him about his book and where he stood on Old Testament issues and things like that. We had a great conversation about that. If you have other issues, talk to him. I have lots of different people on the air. Some I agree with a lot. Some I don't agree with. Some are not even saved. And we have lots of discussions. If you want to interact with them, interact with them because I'm not their defender and I'm not their spokesperson. But listen, the Bible is against this. God is against this. God hates false witnessing. Bearing false witness is, is one of the Ten Commandments that we are commanded not to do, all right? And read through Proverbs about what it says about false witnesses and spreading dissension among brothers. God hates that. So when people say, well, Mike Brown defends grave sucking, that is bearing false witness. That is a sin in God's sight. And scripturally speaking, that sin is at least as bad as the idiotic practice of someone laying on a, on a grave and trying to suck up an anointing, all right? And, and the latter is, is ignorant and foolish and unscriptural, but the former is, is actually wicked in terms of speaking falsely against someone else. You say, well, they don't know any better. Well, then do your research before you speak, man. Do your research before you speak. Get things accurately. And if, you're, and, and if you're unable to do that because you're so dead set on, on getting the message out, well, too much is given, much is required. The more people that hear your, your false witness, the more you're accountable for it. That concerns me. That concerns me. Are you damning the critic? No, I just, I'm concerned when people lie about me or lie about others or spread misinformation. It's not good for them. It's not good for them. It's not good for the body. All right, one more clip, then we go to your call. So let's go to clip number three and Justin Peters and Todd Friel on Wretched Radio. All these people that are faking miracles, that are making false prophecies, that are, that are, I would argue, blaspheming the Holy Spirit, ascribing to the Holy Spirit things that he is not doing. When are you going to call out these wolves by name? I'm not talking about some generality. Oh, yeah, there's some abuses in our movement. Name them. Name the, them. The, these, these aren't abuses. These are crimes. All right. So, so Todd, I'd, I'd love to know what you meant by crimes. What are the crimes? What are the alleged crimes? If you say that God heals today and you pray for the sick and say that they're healed, is that a, is that a crime? If God gave you a word to speak to someone who's accurate and life-changing, is that a crime? Is it a crime if someone was demon-possessed and in Jesus' name you drove the spirit out of that person? Is that a crime? I'm just wondering what you mean by crimes. And look, I, I have whole books written where I call out abuses in specific detail. But in some cases, like in my Hyper Grace book, I name names. Can you be gay and Christian? 
I name names. And in other cases, like playing with holy fire, I don't name names, and I explain why. And in the Bible, sometimes Paul named names, sometimes he didn't. Sometimes John named names, sometimes he didn't. Peter addressed issues but didn't name names. There's a precedent in Scripture to do it either way. But, but here's what I proposed to Justin. All right, and, and look, I, I wrote a whole book, Playing with Holy Fire, a wake-up call to the Pentecostal Charismatic Church. Get the book and read it. I deal with abuses very clearly. And behind the scenes, I reach out to people and urge them to change practices or to reconsider what they're teaching, okay? And I'll leave that behind the scenes as much as I can. And I've written plenty of open letters dealing with issues. What if I can't get to someone privately? Dealing with issues by name, all right? But here's what I propose to Justin, and I want to propose it again. He wants to debate me on word of faith issues. I don't believe in word of faith, so I'm not going to debate that with him, Okay. So I propose, why don't we debate with the gifts and power of the Spirit, the New Testament miracles, those things, whether they're for today or not. But he didn't want to debate that. So here's what I proposed. And, and reach out to Justin. I emailed him about it and never got a response back. But I think it'd be a great idea. All right? Get this clip to him if you're friends with him. I think this would be a great idea. Rather than have a debate, why don't we discuss our perspectives on healing for today what I believe scripture says, what he believes scripture says. And of course, Justin has a physical condition that he battles through to to minister, right? Why don't we discuss how our beliefs impact the sick and the suffering? And, And what is a pastoral way to approach this? That I believe one thing about divine healing today. He believes another thing about divine healing today. How does it impact the sufferer? How does it impact the hurting? How, do, how does it impact those that are in chronic pain, those that are dying of cancer? Why don't we have a pastoral discussion about the issues? I, I think that would be really practical and helpful. It's fine. We won't debate. Fine. Name all the names you want to name on your side. What, whatever you want to do, that's, that's up to you, sir. But don't you think that would be practical? Don't you think that would be helpful? Because after all, what's the big issue? the glory of Jesus' name and the health of his people, right? That Jesus is glorified. Yeah, based on what the word of God says. But that Jesus is glorified and that his people are helped. That's our goal. I believe that's Justin's goal. That's my goal. Wouldn't that be a great discussion to have? And it's not going to be a debate. It's not going to be winning a debate. It's going to be challenging each other in a loving way. All right, here's how I feel your view can fall short. Well, no, here's how your view falls. Well, here's what it does to people who are sick. Well, and have a practical discussion. How could that hurt? How could that possibly hurt? 866-34-TRUTH. All right, let's go over to Jonathan in Williamston, North Carolina. Thank you, sir, for holding. What's your charismatic-related question? Uh, yes, sir. I'm a young pastor. I'm 27 years old in the Church of God denomination, so I consider myself you know, Pentecostal charismatic. Yeah. And uh, throughout years of research, I've gone to different websites like gotquestions.org, um, and, you know, they tend to lean, I guess, cessationist or, you know, yeah. Calvinist. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they mention is that uh, Pentecostals or Charismatics will often go to the Old Testament to justify uh, certain things that they believe. And um, I talked to the call screener about it, and one of the things that they, that they mentioned was, like, was tithing, how, oh, they have to go to the Old Testament, they have to go to Malachi to support this thing. And I told the call screener that, you know, when I looked at the New Testament, I believe that Matthew 22 
15 through 22 supported it and wanted to get your thoughts on, on all that. Yeah, uh, well, th- thank you, Jonathan, and thank you for being a sincere student of Scripture. The great bulk of what we believe as charismatic Pentecostals in terms of gifts and power of the Spirit for today is, is based on the New Testament, clearly based on the New Testament. And as for uh, arguing about tithing being for today, uh, you'll find that in Baptist circles, non-denominational circles, non-charismatic circles, as much as Pentecostal charismatic circles. Uh, and and the, that's, a, that's a much bigger debate. I'd encourage you to go to my website and search for the word tithe or tithing. You'll see whole teachings on it. But clearly the New Testament teaches proportional giving. So you give according to what you have, don't have, right? So those who have more, give more. Those who have less, give less. It teaches sacrificial giving that at times we give over and above. And it teaches that those who are liberal in their giving, those who are generous, God is generous back towards them. Those who are stingy in their giving, so to say God is stingy back towards them. So those are principles that apply. The law of the tithe is not a New Testament law, but the principle is something you could argue is, is taught in the New Testament. But bottom line, in terms of healing, miracles, things like that for today, we base that primarily on what's in the New Testament, but we find foundations in the Old Testament upon which the New Testament builds. Now, if you want to get into a scholarly study of that, I recommend my book, Israel's Divine Healer. If you want to dig deep, get into a heavy-duty scholarly discussion and investigation, it's a very technical book. I just want to warn you, 80,000 words of notes, 85,000 words of endnotes. Check out my book, Israel's Divine Healer. But just to warn you, it's, it's a serious read. All right, back with uh, some clips from Joshua Chavez or Chavez, and we can get to some more calls. We'll do it. And remember, a half hour from now, our YouTube chat at Ask Dr. Brown, ASKDR Brown. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Which is why Michael Brown is so dangerous. He he is the quintessential uh, uh, Second Peter 2. Verse 1, false teacher. God bless Joshua. Don't know him at all, sir, if you're watching. No clue who you are. I trust that you're sincere and sincere in your motivation. I always seek to believe the best, uh, especially about people that I don't know at all. Uh, But those are serious charges. Again, doesn't affect me, doesn't hurt me. Uh, I have a wonderful relationship with the Lord and his word and and seen his gracious hand on my life for decades. But a serious charge like that, I think you'd be able to back scripturally. You say, well, watch, watch the whole video. Uh, no insult to you, sir, but I get hundreds and hundreds of links sent to me constantly. Some videos about me, articles about me, videos about others, links about others, and there's simply no time to watch and review the others. So these are just some clips that, that our staff pulled out uh, for me to play on the air today. But why don't we agree? Just you're, you and your Bible, me and my Bible. That's it. What constitutes false teacher? What, what constitutes heresy? Just Bible alone. Bible alone. That's it. Dig in the Hebrew, Greek, as much as you want. Bible alone. Why don't we have a formal discussion, moderated discussion, debate? Wouldn't that be great? I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, I just saw a 
note from Caleb on Facebook. Yes, God hates false witness. He also hates false teaching and the shepherds who lead sheep astray. Absolutely, sir. Agree with you 100%. That's why I'm playing with holy fire. I have chapters about unaccountable leaders and unaccountable prophecy and, and leaders who abuse and mercenary leaders and things like that. Terrible, ugly, wrong, destructive. But I just want you to get a feel, though, for some of Joshua's concerns. So let's uh, listen to clip number five. Because Michael Brown is capable of providing orthodox answers to certain questions, he gets a pass, or people have a really difficult time overlooking his actions that completely contradict those affirmations. When your actions contradict your affirmations... Those affirmations are indeed hollow. He is friends with Mike Bickle, Lou Engel, Reinhard Bonnke, and endorsed the Brownsville Revival. Not only did he endorse it, he was a part of it, a staple in it. You bet. Yes, sir. I'm friends with Mike Bickle. You bet. Yes, friends with Reinhard Bonnke. Yes, you bet. Friends with Lou Engel. I don't get to see them much, but yeah, I've had great fellowship with them. Others had great prayer time with, watched them preach Jesus and lift him up, seen their broken heart for lost and dying world. Do I agree with everything they teach or preach? Don't even know everything they teach and preach. Do I have an issue with certain things? I'm sure I would. All right. Listen, Dr. James White is a dear friend. He's a Calvinist. I'm an Arminian. He's a cessationist. I'm a charismatic. All right. He was the first one to sit me down when I was on Benny Hinn and said, Mike, that was wrong. That was the wrong thing to do. I said, you could be right. He's trying to reach his audience, but you could be right. So, yeah, so if, if James says something that you differ with, we'll talk to James. Don't talk to me, all right? I'm friends with lots of people in different parts of, of the body, all right? But, but here's the thing. Yeah, I was a part of the Brownsville Revival, and it was a genuine outpouring of the Spirit. I don't know how many services you attended, Joshua, but I was in probably 800 services, plus between classes, day sessions, other, other settings involved, a couple thousand more meetings, and I track the fruit of people who were gloriously saved, gloriously transformed, who love Jesus, who are serving God today, who are bearing fruit, who are living holy lives. That's glorious. That's wonderful. Praise God. Praise God. And, and well, I saw a clip of people shaking. And, and people shook in Wesley meetings. People shook in Whitfield meetings. People shook in Jonathan Edwards meetings. What does that prove? It doesn't prove anything either way. People can shake because they're cold. People can shake because they're under demonic power. People can shake because they're weird. People can shake because they saw someone else shake. People can shake because they're overpowered by the Holy Spirit. People could shake because they're in a state of awe. People could shake because adrenaline's running through their... There's all kinds of reasons why people... It doesn't prove anything either way. The proof is what's the message being preached? How are the people being affected by that message? Now, how are they living? That's the issue. We tell people day in, day out in the Browns Revival, we don't care if you fall or shake. The question is, how are you living five, ten years down the line? I'll introduce you to people who were saved in those meetings that are on fire for God, that are happily married, that are living godly lives, that are winning the lost and making disciples. I'll take you around the world to people who were dramatically touched and transformed in the revival, who have been serving on the mission field for 10 or 15 or 20 years. While the critic is, is, is throwing stones at them, they're out there reaching the lost and feeding the poor 
and, and meeting the needs of a dying, hurting world and preaching the Bible and preaching the gospel of Jesus. Yeah, but people shake. Do you think God is looking at that and saying, well, people shook. So the fact they're feeding the poor, the fact they're rescuing kids from human trafficking, the fact they're leading people to Jesus and disciples are being made and these people are going to be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. Do you think I'd say, yeah, but someone shook. And maybe his power overwhelmed them and that's why they shook. So that's, this is stuff that confirms you. So what about NAR? NAR is a myth. You see, I have no problem saying I'm friends with Mike Bickler, Reinhard Bonnke, or Lou Engel. Would you agree with Lou bowing down the feet of a Catholic? No, but that's between him and God. You talk to him about that, okay? That's not my business. You talk to him about that. I, uh, you know how many charges come against other friends of mine? I don't call them with each charge. Or <clears throat> If we sit together, we talk about it. I bring it up. We talk about it. Yes, we do. Anyway, here's, here's the point. If I was part of NAR or NAR was a real thing, that there was this real joint, new apostolic reformation of hundreds of millions of people around. I tell it plainly. I shout it from the rooftop. It's just a myth. It's a myth. It's that simple. I was talking to another alleged leader of NAR the other day, and, I, and they're like, what is NAR? What? Well, I never heard of it. I said, of course you never heard of it. That's the proof you're part of it. So you see, I have no, I have no problem saying what I believe. I have, no, I've, have I laid hands on people and watched the power of God fall upon them and they fall to the ground shaking and weeping? Yes, many times, hundreds of times, thousands of times. I'm not ashamed of that. And, and the fruit of it, let's see the reality. I didn't do it. In other words, I prayed for someone. They fell, they didn't fall. I didn't do it, okay? And if, it's re, if it was an encounter with God, wonderful. Their life's going to be changed because of it, all right? I've got no problem saying that. But when things are false, I will tell you they are false. Fair enough? 866-34-TRUTH. Uh, let's go to Luke. In, all right, we're going to go to Luke in Georgia. Listen, and I understand not everyone can hold. Tell you what, let me, let me play one more clip. Uh, clip number six. Let's hear it. Michael Brown is, uh, claims not to be a part of the New Apostolic Reformation, but he's been doing crazy stuff since uh, the so-called Brownsville re- Revival um, uh, in Pensacola uh, back in the 90s, um, yelling fire just like his other friends, Benny Hinn and so forth. This man is an apologist for the New Apostolic Reformation, and Pure Flix is happy to give him his whole section. Yeah, well, Pure Flix reached out to us, and we're thrilled to work with him. What a great ministry, getting wholesome Christian movies and shows. and Yeah, great. My privilege and honor to be on the Pure Flix website. Terrific. We're so glad to be able to supply our material for them to use to bless others. But here, call me a friend of Benny Hinn. I'm not a friend of Benny Hinn. I was on his show. Never talked to him since. Wrote him a strong letter urging him to make changes four years ago. That, <laughs> friend of Benny Hinn. That's the typical false apologist for NAR. Not an apologist for NAR because NAR doesn't exist. So, again, what, there's so many important things to do. People dying without Jesus. People hurting. A lost world. America divided over politics and race and a hundred other things. And now we spread junk like that. To what purpose? How does it help? How does it glorify the Lord? How does it advance the kingdom? And, yeah, when I pray for people, when you're praying for hundreds of people, you can't pray a long prayer over each person, Okay. So I would either pray, God, fill, fresh filling of the Spirit. We are to be continually filled with the Spirit and walking in holiness and purity and crucifying the flesh, right? Not being drunken, 
but being filled with the Spirit, living disciplined, godly lives. So I just pray one Lord, fill, man, a fresh touch of your Spirit, fresh filling. Like Acts 4, 31, the, the, uh, the apostles, the 120, are filled with the Spirit in Acts 2, 1 through 4, then they're filled with the Spirit in Acts 4, 31. So I pray fill, or I pray fire. I've preached on the fire of God for years. I've preached on the fire of God going literally from Genesis to Revelation and looking at every reference where God is, is likened to a refining fire, like Deuteronomy 4.24 and Hebrews 12.29, or God is likened to a refiner's fire, Malachi 3.1, or we are baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire, Matthew 3.11. So all of those verses, all of those references, and when I'm praying, I'm praying, Lord, fresh touch, fire, fire of your spirit, purifying fire, holy fire. Is that Harris? Does that make me an apologist for Nar? I mean, what is this? Listen, I'm, I'm a very exacting guy. My, my, my doctoral dissertation was on one Hebrew word. My PhD is in Near Eastern languages and literatures. I love text, 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 text. My Job commentary is coming out in a matter of weeks. Everybody, get to the, get to the apologetics conference at Southern Evangelical Seminary, hosted by Southern Evangelical Seminary, I guess at Calvary Church, is that it? In Charlotte, all the information at ses.edu. The book will be released then, the Job Commentary. I'll be doing a book signing there. I dig deep. I get in the Word. I'm an exacting kind of guy. It's this false witness bearing of others, these generalizations, misconceptions that cause a lot of confusion. And my goal is get with the Lord, friend. Get with the Lord. Get in the Word. Say no to the flesh. Say no to the devil. Say no to the world. Live a holy, disciplined, godly life. Get so full of the love of God and the love of Jesus that you just radiate to a lost and dying world. Let's come together and make a difference to touch a dying world. Anybody whose name I mentioned, Joshua, Todd, Steve, Justin, I'm open for public or private dialogue. I'm accessible, guys. Let's do it for the glory of God and the good of the church. Fair enough? <laughs>